0: Hello and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer, and we are in pursuit of mature and stable Christian worldview. And as we have been looking at various issues and uh, trying to engage our faith in a mature and emotionally and mentally responsible way, um, lately I've been looking at what are kind of some of the problems with the evangelical package that we were raised with, Um, and one of the issues that has affected some of us, uh, and some of us haven't heard of it at all, but some of us have heard nothing, almost nothing but this is homeschooling. And one particular strain of homeschooling is ATI or the Advanced Training Institute, uh, by Bill Gothard, Gothard. And, um, I would like to talk. Uh, with a guest uh, who has had an experience with ATI, um, about her life with ATI, her experiences with ATI, and then we're going to have a look at ATI homeschooling versus what might be a healthy upbringing, and also ATI versus what might be a healthy and biblical uh, way to raise and parent our kids. So. Uh, Chantal Neufeld is my friend and hypnotherapist, um, and uh, she's known my wife for quite a long time. Actually, you guys met through ATI, right? Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 2007 that I started a Facebook group called ATI okay. Student Survivors, which then turned okay. into a like website called recoveringgrace.org, yes. and I believe that's how we connected.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me start off because I know that some people have no idea what ATI is. They just, they come to this podcast because they want to hear a smart guy talking. And so, you know, there they are. Um, and so I'm just going to give people like that, uh, a, a very brief, um uh, I'm actually going to read Wikipedia on Bill author. That's, that's how smart I am. Uh, but this all looks pretty much consistent with what I know. Um, So Bill Gothard is a guy – I'll actually read it. Uh, Bill Gothard was born November 2nd, 1932. He's an American Christian minister, speaker, and writer, and the founder of the Institute in Basic Life Principles, IBLP. His conservative teachings encourage Bible memorization, large families, homeschooling, aversion to debt, respect for authority, conservative dress, and extended principles related to identity, family, education, healthcare, music, and finance. In 2014, he stepped down from from the IBLP after multiple allegations of sexual harassment and molestation were made against him. In 2016, Gothard and IBLP were sued by a group of alleged victims. The lawsuit was dismissed in 2018 due to the statute of limitations. At the height of his popularity during the 1970s, the Basic Life Conflicts Seminar um, attracted. Oh, I'm missing one line in my printing. Uh, thousands to his uh, seminar. In this way, he reached many in the evangelical community from the baby boomers' generation during their teen years and young adulthood. Other seminars during this time included an advanced youth conflict seminar, as well as seminars for pastors. Physicians and legislators. Bill Gossett has, has credited... Okay. Da, 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 da. So that's as far as I'm going to read into that. So basically, it's a guy that came up with a homeschooling curriculum that went viral in the 70s. And a lot of people got really into it. And it impacted your life. And it impacted my wife's life as well. And through my wife, it impacted my life. Um, so you didn't know any of this when you were a kid. You were just.
1: Right. So you
0: just experienced it. So what was your first experience with something different that in hindsight you realized, oh, that was from the wonderful Bill Gothard? (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. so I was homeschooled from grades one through 12, and um, we started with ATI Bill Gothard's curriculum right away. So that was in 1986 or 1985, around that time. Um, so the homeschool part of Bill Gothard's um, setup only started then. I think it was 84 or 85. Uh, before that, it was just all this um, this other seminar that he traveled around or had other people travel around with his recordings to just all over the place, North America and then uh, eventually around the world. Um, but uh, he was attracting people who wanted to give their kids, you know, I guess uh, a better childhood than they had, or maybe like in in their in their world back then in like the sixties, seventies. Obviously, I wasn't. I don't remember that time, but you know there was a lot of like hippies and drugs and whatever. You know they just kind of wanted mm-hmm. to shelter their kids from from that lifestyle and and. Um, they were promised, like Bill Gothard kind of promised them that their kids would not go astray if they were raised in this program. So mm-hmm. the one of the biggest issues that I found with a lot of us survivors of the cult is that it was like sort of a, a blimp on the screen for our parents, like just a very brief period of time that they were in the program, but for a lot of us, some of us were born into it, but some of us don't remember anything else other than that. So like that was our world view when we were, you know, <laughs> growing up or our formative years. And so most of our parents have gotten out of it and have just kind of returned to their new nor- or their normal that they used to have. But we didn't have that normal to return to. So we landed up having to really mm. just start from scratch and just. You know, figure out what we actually believed, because a lot of the parents landed up throwing it out or throwing out that belief system altogether, which kind of left us floundering.
0: <laughs> oh okay, so interesting, so their their rejection of this belief system ended up being equally hard to their acceptance of it mm-hmm. for you or for some people. That's yeah, I mean, and, and not
1: everyone's experience is the same, but that was my experience.
0: Yeah. And and you had mentioned the word cult in this. Uh, and that's something I want to talk about later on. I want to pick up on a few of these things that you've just mentioned. Uh, we'll save that for the end. Because um, I know some people call it a cult and some people call it a bad idea and some people call it a great idea. <laughs> um, What's, uh? can you kind of tell me like what, if you were trying to explain, because I know a little bit what's what I is, but if you just explain to a normal person, like, well, you were homeschooled, like you were home with your parents and they gave you lots of love and attention. What's the problem? You know, like, how would you explain that to somebody? What what the weirdness was about somebody that wanted wanted to teach kids just not to do sex, drugs, and rock and roll and read their Bibles? What could be wrong with that?
1: Hmm. Well, like, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> actually, let me change the question a little bit. Well, what did it look like day to day? What was the homeschooling looking like day to day?
1: Well, I can't speak for anyone else who was in ATI, but for us, um, our school day, we started, we got up at five in the morning for like what they called wisdom search, which was, I guess, uh, devotions, right? Family devotions. Um, for me, like for us in particular, for our family, if I wasn't sitting up straight like and, um, reading when I was supposed to read the Bible and doing what I was supposed to do, then I had to like stand at attention. I had to read with inflection in my voice. Like it was sort of a, I don't know, to me, it gave me a bit of a bad taste, (laughs) um, just making it into something not fun. Mm -hmm. Um. And then uh, we would have breakfast. My dad would go off to work. We would do our schoolwork. And um, like the wisdom booklets were were the curriculum that Bill Gothard has. What was the schoolwork that
0: you would do? What was the um, schoolwork?
1: Well, we had some like math books that were not with Bill Gothard. Like they were just yeah. – but they were they were Christian math books, various different uh, – throughout the grade, various different curriculums. Um So and we did some English on the side, too. But most of it, most of it was the wisdom booklets, which is Gothard's um, curriculum. And but it was like sort of like college age uh, stuff, like information. And I was like a kid. So I'm like learning about the hypothalamus and I'm learning about. Um, myopia and, you know, all these eye problems and just things and, and kind of twisted history stories, which didn't turn out to be all that accurate. Like mm-hmm. everything just sort of had a bit of a twist on it, like a bit of a weirdness. Oh, but as a kid, you think you just ingest it all as truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but behind all of this were these, um, were these beliefs that, you know, to the outside, they don't really see it because the words uh used carried a different meaning for the yes. people in the cult than people outside. So words like, I don't have a list here. I'm just going off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was a lot of emphasis on character building, uh, but it wasn't modeled. Like <laughs> kind of the opposite was modeled because, you know, with a huge huge family i'm the oldest of 10 kids uh, it's no wonder that my mom was stressed out a lot and and upset and my dad um had issues with narcissism and anger and all that so um we were we were taught to have all of these good character qualities but you know <laughs> was it it wasn't modeled
0: mm-hmm. so what what sort of character like what were you told you should be what, what were you told you should do good character qualities like
1: such as pride kind, and self kindness or... no they were like kindness generosity um compassion um loyalty braveness um peacefulness um grace but for each one they had a, a different meaning than they carry to the rest of the world mm-hmm. like the meaning that Gothard gave to those those qualities had a different meaning for us, and like then than like most people would have of those same things
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and that's something that is pretty typical, like you had mentioned cults, most cults or I think the the new name is uh what is it? New religious movements. We prefer to say not cults because people don't like being called a cult. Um, but if, if the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door and they say, oh, we believe in Jesus, too, or we believe in the same doctrine as you. Very often, the words mean something different. Um, mm-hmm. And that's done on purpose, you know, to... Um, because, and I mean, churches, your, yeah, yeah,
1: like churches uh can have cult like things, too, Absolutely. if the pastor doesn't have any accountability and can kind of control people and that sort of a thing. So,
0: yeah,
1: I don't know. To me, when I call something a cult, it just means that one person is in charge of it and they get to dictate everyone's yeah. life and everyone else kind of looks to them as God, mm-hmm. you know, like that they don't have direct access themselves to God. So that's my personal uh, definition of a cult.
0: And another thing I want to pick up is, is these, because what I had, I'm trying to understand this thing, which is part of why I'm talking to you, because it's like you can't, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses, I just mentioned Mor- Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, both of them, there's a whole literature written on it, and, and this is not, you know, to, to, this, like, not to hate on either of them, you know, like there's good people everywhere, but if I wanted to know more about that, those groups, I could buy the book and I could find more about them, and I could, re- I could read people that have written books about them, but there are not a whole lot of books written about Bill Gothard and ATI. I know there's a few, uh, you can Google them, but honestly, they're not awesome. <laughs> I, had, yeah. I, I I'm struggling to get through one of them.
1: Yeah, if you uh, really want to know about him and people's experience with his um organization just go on RecoveringGrace.org and you'll find stories (laughs) endless stories almost
0: yeah i'm getting lots of stories Mm -hmm. i'm an ideas guy and i want to know the Ah. ideas i want to know the precise where did things go wrong Mm. um and actually definitions would be really interesting to me what what does he say and what does you know the rest of the world think Mm. um something that you had mentioned about character that is just clicking now it feels as though um The character traits that he emphasizes, from what I understand, it's all the, like, like there's kind of two sides of most things. There's, like, brave, like, there's a time to be strong and there's a time to be gentle. There's a time to be aggressive. There's a time to be submissive. There's a time to be tender and there's a time to be vicious, you know? And it seems as though he's only on one side of things. Like, is that fair? Like, the, the character traits that you mentioned, you did mention bravery, but other than that, it was like... You
1: no, know, he had meekness, and, you know, like, cause he was very much the Sermon on the Mount. That was mm-hmm. one of the first passages we had to memorize. So, as a young child, grade one, I'm memorizing Matthew 5, 6, and 7, like, the entire chapters. And uh, Romans 6, 7, and 8, James 1 to 5, like, it just went on from there. Like, we had to memorize a lot of a lot of scripture and stuff. And then the wisdom booklets took apart each verse or passage, uh, starting with uh, Matthew 5, and then just built a whole curriculum from it. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, it it got pretty twisted, you know, his interpretation of those passages. Yeah. Like, for example, if like a a (laughs) woman is being abused by her husband, you know, like that it's her fault and that she should stay with him and blah, 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 you know, like, Mm teachings like that or teachings that he would
0: have said that that yeah yeah okay um
1: yeah and it's we have it written down like it's in his curriculum i would just have to look it up um teachings that uh for example teenagers should have to confess their private thoughts to their parents like you know (laughs) sexual personal things they would have to confess them like daily and and that was taught as as normal
0: yeah that doesn't seem normal
1: no and and there was like a lot of guilt right like a lot of guilt is is placed for having these thoughts so as an adult trying to deal with the guilt going to therapy and stuff i i realized that my thoughts weren't mine like (laughs) it wasn't my fault if i had a you know quote-unquote bad thought Um, It was just it was just a thought and I could choose to, um, you know, give it more attention or choose to turn my attention elsewhere. But I didn't have to confess that to anybody because it wasn't wrong to have.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I want to come back to that in a second. Um, I was just so. um, You had mentioned that a wife should stay with her husband and submit to him even though she's being abused how could somebody possibly get to that place in their thinking like like how 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 does that work um for somebody to think that is that no i just that see it really as a very
1: legalistic the, it's a okay. very legalistic interpretation mm-hmm. of the bible you know like i i personally think that you can make the bible like <laughs> mean whatever you want it to mean. Like if you twist it enough or just say, oh, in such and such uh, language, it's interpreted as this, right? Like you can really, if you want to, and people have, they've, they've twisted it. So um, that's what I think happened in this case. You just yeah. kind of twisted it around.
0: And, and just... probably especially if um, something I have heard, I read a book a long time ago about Bill Gothard, and, and actually and that book had mentioned This was written in the 70s, I think, this book that I read and I lost it. It was in a library somewhere. But one thing I had mentioned early on is there have been a number of pastors that have tried to talk to Bill Gothard and he has not listened to us. And that's something that I I read recently that uh, Norman Geisler was going to arbitrate this discussion with him back around the turn of the millennia. And he just wasn't receptive. You know, he's just he's stonewalled people that have tried to talk to him. Well, uh, I absolutely agree sign of a you. cult leader. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I agree with you that you can make the Bible say anything you want it to, but there, yeah, there is a little bit of a check and balance with the larger Christian community. Yes, of Other course. Other pastors being like, well, you know, like, it doesn't really sound right if you're asking a wife to stay with her husband mm-hmm. while she's being abused. It kind of ties, to me, that sounds like it ties in with what I was saying before about, like, it's all about being a gentle lamb, which the Bible does say be a gentle lamb but then jesus cleanses the temple like there is that other side of things Mm -hmm. and it feels like uh, well it's
1: just i don't feel that it's limited to gothard or bible or christianity like it's across the board with different religions you have the legalists and the fundamentalists and then you have the more balanced thinkers Mm mm-hmm Right. So there's just always like a fraction of each one that that chooses a fundamentalist uh, worldview.
0: Yeah. What other ways was ATI different than kind of a normal childhood for you? Um,
1: well, obviously, like I grew up in Calgary till I was 13 and I would look out the window and see my, you know, the neighbor kids getting on the bus, going to school, seeing them wearing their cute little jeans and t-shirts, and and I'm there in these dresses and not allowed to go to school, and if the neighbor, like, the neighbors invited us over for a birthday party, and uh, me and my brother went, but we had to, uh, you know, decline the dancing portion because we were not allowed to listen to rock music, we were not allowed to dance, so we had to tell the mother, which is embarrassing, but I felt that it was the right thing to do at the time, and they just looked at us like we were so weird, and you know cuz they knew we had a lot of kids and it was just yeah like a, as you as you grow up and you grow older and you make friends you you, you see the differences and you
0: just mm-hmm. oh, hmm. yeah being what age were you at, at that point
1: at that birthday party I was about 11
0: 11 yeah yeah so this this is not uh, a wild drinking and no no it was a
1: it was a normal kid (laughs) at home with the parents and like about 10 kids just doing normal things
0: yeah and they're probably just a happy little yeah songs and
1: yeah and and the kids and the mom just looked at us like like really (laughs) you know yeah.
0: yeah um and there again you can see kind of okay his his he's trying to keep people from going crazy with the hippies but it's this legalistic tendency of like well we have to get rid of all rock music we have to get rid of all dancing yeah um has that have you wrestled since then with that kind of all or nothing thinking has that has that been become part of i don't know is that part of the water with ati and does that influence you still
1: well it doesn't influence me still Um, I, I, it was such a a gradual, uh, questioning and, you know, during my teen years and and then I got married when I was 18. So leaving my parents' house, being under a different authority, right. Then, uh, just getting my own first job and just starting to see things as they really are in the, (laughs) in the big world. Right. And it it was gradual. So the question was about like all or nothing thinking. Um, I don't know. Like there was just so much judgment around that and it didn't feel right to me. You know, I felt like, you know, I really liked the teachings of Jesus and how he was kind to the woman at the well and I saw him as non-judgmental. I saw love as, you know, unconditional acceptance, which I really wanted from my parents and um I didn't see it in the church. Like we moved to Manitoba when I was 13 and we started going to an Independent Fundamental Baptist church. And uh, the pastor there was also quite cultish and um, like I just didn't see it modeled like people would question him and then they would be excommunicated and we wouldn't be allowed to speak to them anymore. And it happened with his daughter, who was my age, that we were best friends. And so that was a big, a big turning point when I was 18, you know, to see that go down. And I don't know, just discrepancies between. What I thought Jesus was all about, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to be like Christ. So I just saw discrepancies, it, basically in kindness and respect across mm-hmm. the board, like towards um, people in the church or uh, or even children who question or teenagers who question um, teachings. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was one of my big questions. I got all i uh, list your big questions to ask you. And okay. one of them was, uh, in what ways do you see ATI as unbiblical? And maybe we could say against the teachings of Jesus. So you just said, it's unkind, and Jesus is mm-hmm. kind. And, um, you know, love, in the love chapter, First Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Um, so it's odd. And I resonate with that as well. Some of my Christian upbringing, you know, had, there were some great people. But sometimes it was not kind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What were some other ways that ATI just wasn't, didn't fit with Jesus, or didn't fit with what you understand the Bible, biblical message to be?
1: Well, just how they were, how they kept to themselves, right? Like uh, well, you see it in communities, like where there's called communities where where they're not allowed to leave the grounds, or you know, like they they have to just stay. You can only. Co- really be friends with those who have exactly the same beliefs as you um, which is hard to find because every almost everyone that I've interacted with or talked to about their religious beliefs as an adult you know there's always just a little just a tiny bit of a difference right everyone kind of interprets or you know sees things in their in their own perspective. But when you're in the cult, you have to just take the leader's perspective, and that is the only way. And you can't, you're not allowed to have your your own opinion on something. And the Bible verse about, uh, like praying in a closet, you know, Mm -hmm. like kind of having your, your spiritual life be your personal, uh, thing, like it was kind of the opposite of that, right? Yeah. Everything, your spiritual life
0: is somebody else's problem when you go to birthday party it's like in your face it was just a
1: lot (laughs) of outward things you know like the light in your eyes like in your countenance you know like if your if your skirt is exactly at the right level length um you know they they went as far as open-toed shoes were bad lacy leotards were bad they were eye traps um like sh- the showing of the shoulders or like, you know, legalists or fundamentalists can go really far, like, you know, making boys wear full length bathing suits because, you know, God forbid you should show a shoulder, like stuff like that. And, and each family had their own level of crazy. Uh, right. And, and some were just ridiculous, like making their teenage sons, um, get circumcised, you know, like just re- off the chart crazy stuff. You know, that never happened in my family, but yeah, it, it happened. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of, um, uh, what should I say? Like the subject of sex, sexuality was not talked about at all. Um, and of course there's curiosities within families and, uh, lots of reports of, um, I guess teenage boys being curious and, and, being curious with their sisters, and just because it was just so repressed, like their questions were not were not answered, or they weren't even allowed to to bring up the subject. So uh, <laughs> that is very different than people who go to public school, right? Or or just your normal, average, everyday Christian who could ask their parents, you know, what is this, and you you'd get an outright answer if you were a teenager, right? Yeah. In a healthy home. Yeah, or you get steered in the right direction. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah like that's something. Go ahead. Girls
1: were not allowed to do the same things as boys.
0: Mm.
1: Like boys got all the, the boys got all the freedoms of what they could wear, of what they could do, of having a career. Um, well, college was dis- discouraged with all of, like, no matter if you're a boy or a girl, but. You know, guys were encouraged to get a career, but women were like our only purpose when we grew up was to be a wife and mother, nothing else. Um, yeah, so like in that way, it's, it was just really a lot different than, than normal. Like when I turned 18 and I got married, I really only, I saw that as my only way out. Um, mm. From my dad's umbrella of protection or of authority because we were taught this you know we went against what the pastor or what our dad said that we would be out from God's protection and that we could what was the wording they used we would be like open to the fiery darts of the devil so we could Mm -hmm. get attacked or you know bad things could happen to us we could get sick and it would be our fault so often the teaching was if you got sick or something bad happened to you, that you had gone out from the umbrella somehow, even if you didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of guilt and fear, just the whole the whole childhood, guilt and fear, a lot of it.
0: And so that might be something that our listeners would be interested in, because there is a verse that says, um, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is the first commandment with promise so that it will go well with you and that you will live well, long in the land so you listen to that and you're like so <laughs> but i'm they sorry ignore
1: the exasperated ignore. part of it but yeah. whatever so then
0: the next verse so there's a few things to say about this for one thing the next verse says parents don't exasperate your children right mm. you probably didn't hear that verse a lot the second half <laughs> no, of that it
1: wasn't it wasn't
0: emphasized no. it wasn't emphasized uh but also like you'd listen to that like if you take something as a principle Usually it's like if you read the Bible it's like oh that's good wisdom you know like it, you you're you're a 7-year-old kid you're a 10-year-old kid you're a 12-year-old kid you have reasonable parents listen to them your life is probably going to go better than if you don't if you have reasonable parents but then in this you know in his legalistic way in his harsh way he turns it into this like huge um Teaching where again the umbrella principle that he I think came up with is that your dad is like an umbrella, and if you step out from under the umbrella, then you're going to get wet. And what that means is you're going to have spiritual curses, you're going to have demons attacking you, you're going to be sick. And then there's that fear and control you were talking about, and hell
1: too. Like most of us grew up like with this extreme fear of hell and yeah, unhealthy view of hell.
0: Yeah, and then there's that. So, can we talk more about? Because um, you had mentioned control, can you talk more about what what were you taught about parental authority, and how can we contrast like what, what ATI taught you versus what you would consider reasonable parental authority?
1: I don't know, I have a different viewpoint than most people on parental authority, but I think that my pendulum may have swung a little far uh just because I felt so controlled as a kid that I wanted to give my kids you know
0: just you're a cool mama
1: <laughs> I don't know if they would say that if you asked them maybe <laughs> um. I don't know I just see that they have like this autonomy like they have the right to make choices over their life and um, I'm there to guide them and it it was quite the opposite growing up for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. well like for example um, a kid like they're they're really doing their best they want to please their parents Mm -hmm. but my parents had this idea that we were the enemy, kind of like mm-hmm. that we came into the world as these, you know, almost bad beings that had to be. That's an interesting to way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I saw my kids as, as doing the best that they could. And like we all mess up. And I, I think that a lot of parents hold their kids to a higher standard than they themselves can live up to. Mm. And it's, it's just not fair like I want my kids to be able to recognize an abusive boyfriend for example yes. um rather than see that as the familiar thing because that's all they're used to as growing up.
0: Oh, so true.
1: Yeah, like I found that in a lot of uh my peers or like the people in in the group that I started for the survivors. Like a few of us have been lucky and and found a mate or dated, you know, someone who was a kind person, but a lot of them really attracted someone who was like their narcissistic parent
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and it hasn't gone well for them (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah my my wife and i have often talked about that she got lucky in the sense that i changed (laughs) but um yeah i'm not sure how far i want to go down that rabbit trail it's (laughs) like we have joked, but seriously said, like if we could get pastoral counsel to that couple back then, we would probably tell her not to marry him based mm-hmm. on just where I was. And you would think that as a daughter's, as a pastor's daughter, she would have discernment, but she didn't have discernment. And and the way that ATI influenced that situation, it didn't it didn't come into the situation with some sort of guidance. It came in with an iron fist to try and destroy anything that was natural and good. So we had to try and resist that. And it just, Mm -hmm. anyway, they don't want to make this about my story, but I just resonate with what you're saying about there's not a, a lot of discernment. And then you mentioned, and I've heard people doing this, but I've heard a lot more people doing it within ATI of my dad's controlling and scary and I want to get out of this situation but the only way to get out is to get married and then they jump into something and marriage is not something to jump into it's I mean in some ways you might be surprised to hear me say this but I'd rather you jump into living with somebody if you're not 100 percent sure than jump into making a legal lifelong contract with somebody because that is something especially having legally, kids with someone <laughs> and having kids it's just that, that'll um, tie you
1: to them for life, whether you want to or not.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, it will. Um, I'm getting emotional now. It's it's just like you you think of the human carnage, the 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 pain of people, you know, that mm-hmm. that have real difficult. Okay, there's two things I want to pick up on from what you said. I'm really interested in what you said about kids being the enemy because. I'm kind of doing a reboot of a lot of my views and re looking at things and realizing that Augustine, St. Augustine from 350 something, was a great thinker that made a lot of great mistakes. And one of them is original sin. And the way that he presented original sin is he wanted to talk about babies and how they were sinners from birth. Because, and his great example was uh, if you have twins nursing, the The one child will try and push the other child away from the breast because and he sees that as like, well, the milk is the only thing keeping him alive and the child is pushing him away. So basically, that child is murderous in his thinking. And if you read the passage, it's like Augustine, like you're a little bit unbalanced in how you're presenting this. Right.
1: Several Um, other reasons why they could be pushing him away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's just like it's a little kid. The only thing installed in his brain is eat right and that's all that's installed at this point um later on empathy will come online at around at age two or three anyways original sin i see as i wrestled with that as a young parent because i was you know when kids start to say no around age two i was like oh he's a little sinner and it feels as though that's a really unhelpful thing to think of as our starting point as parents is oh there's a little sinner you know how about we think about there's the in, like he's becoming independent. He's getting his own ideas, you know, but I feel like Christians tend to like, we have this origin, this such a strong understanding of sin at such a young age that that's almost the cornerstone of our parenting is we got to beat the sin out of our kids. Um, instead of kind of guiding their young development as people, um,
1: well, there's a lot of fear around that, right? Yeah. And uh, it it doesn't only start with them looking at their kids like that. They see themselves as that. They see other people, like they judge themselves. They judge other people. So it would only make sense that they would also um, judge their kids.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You want to dig more into that? What do you mean by judging themselves? Uh,
1: Well, I guess I just found that in my life. Uh, When I used to judge myself for everything, I was quite judgmental of those around me, too, even if I didn't outwardly say it. Um, But as I went to therapy and my my therapist said, like, this is the first one of the first things I remember in therapy was she said, you're doing the best you can. Be gentle with yourself. And I thought to myself, yes, Uh, looking back on my life, I was always doing the best I could. And then I decided to be gentle with myself. I decided to show compassion to myself. And the more I could do that. The more I was able to do that for other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you would think, since we're made in God's image, since we're good, since we're, you know, God said it is very good when He made us. You would think that we would think, oh. oh, we should be kind and gentle with something that God made. But somehow, we don't. That's not how we tend to be. I think I, I really resonate. Well, most
1: people with. naturally do that. I I find okay. like with the with all the people that I've met throughout the world, mm. various religions, they're kind people at the core. Mm. You know, like they they treat their kids. There's a verse of the Bible about giving your kid a stone, you know, or giving your kid bread or whatever it was. Like most most parents would would give their kids, you know, nourishment and that sort of thing like it just seems like a natural thing to do to to be kind to your kid like they're they're they, they usually look like you you know they have your traits but you know i find that if people really judge some traits of themselves and then they see those traits in kids cuz kids pick up on stuff it's probably the word no right as a 2 year old the, the word no he, it didn't come into his mind like he he picked it up from his parents <laughs> like, yeah he just copying that's that's how kids learn they copy Mm-hmm. No, my my worldview has definitely shifted um when i was a kid i was taught you know like people are good till proven bad but now i believe they're bad till or i mean they're opposite like i opposite. was taught okay. that, that people were like bad until they were proven good or like anyone outside of the cult was bad and we were the only ones mm-hmm. that were good kind of a thing um, or our teachings were the only good ones. But now I see everybody is doing the best they can. I see everybody as good in their essence. Like, yes, their thinking can be really distorted and twisted and people can get these neural pathways in their mind that are very negative. Um, but that doesn't make them a bad person. It just makes them confused or um Like the mind is a meaning-making machine, so sometimes it makes some really weird judgments. Such, you know, and it's usually as a result of trauma. It makes weird judgments. For example, that that was a really weird judgment of that guy to say that the baby that pushed the other twin away was, you know, the reason why he did it. Like, it's kind of like not a normal person wouldn't wouldn't say that, right? They would think Mm -hmm. that there would be other reasons for that, or that yeah, they would they wouldn't think anything bad of it, but people's whose mind are are t- trained to look for bad will always see bad mm-hmm. like the more bad you look for the more bad you'll see the more good you look for the more good you'll see like there's always both there
0: mm-hmm. i'm wondering if you would uh if you'd be willing to talk more about um your like I think we got an understanding of your early years. You talked about the birthday party, you accepted most of this stuff, you submitted, you you did the thing. It wasn't entirely comfortable, but you went along with it. At a certain point you felt like you weren't gonna go along with it, and then eventually you had a process of leaving. Can you walk us through that process of 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 leaving, of deconverting or or, or questioning Gothard?
1: Hmm. Well, like there was a series of events and I don't even recall all of them, you know, like seeing or getting together with other families who had sort of older teenage kids who were questioning. And I would kind of try on some of their ideas in my own mind and be like, oh, yeah, well, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be. Or um, one thing that just really stands out in my mind, uh we were supposed to sign Around age 13, we were supposed to sign this one thing that basically said that we would do courtship, which is not dating, which is basically letting our dad pick our mate for us. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And uh, I I wrestled with a terrible idea. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, like some in some cases, the the dad was supposed to give the daughter a purity ring, blah blah blah. Not that the girl even was taught what purity was, but whatever. We weren't supposed to look upon a man, we weren't supposed to look him in the eye, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There was a lot of very strict teaching. You stay away from the opposite sex. Um. Hmm. Anyway, I wrestled with the with the signing of that document. It didn't feel like right to me, and I decided not to do it. I also at the church we were going to started um having feelings for a young man who i later married and had kids with (laughs) um but that was frowned upon once my dad found out he sent me away to um gothard's headquarters i was 14 at the time so he uh yeah he basically sent me away and i felt very rejected i didn't know anybody there
0: way like to to cut off this Relationship. That was yes. the purpose of it? Yes, because he felt it he feel couldn't like control a punishment? me. Okay. It did feel like a
1: punishment. And he said I wasn't allowed to call him. I wasn't allowed to have any contact with him whatsoever.
0: With your dad or with your. With boy? the young man. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so away I went. Like, I was a child, very sheltered, going into this. Sorry, what um, age were you? I was 14.
0: 14.
1: Yeah. And uh, Gothard has training centers. Around the world now but back then it was mostly in the States and he has a headquarters in Chicago so I was sent to the headquarters in Chicago now most of the people there were in their 20s like there was a bunch of people just working for him like in the uh, like printing department because he had lots so he was selling lots of materials and uh, there was all sorts of different departments but it was basically a nine-to-five job so I was sent to headquarters at 14 had a nine-to-five job for several months um, they always had meetings, like staff meetings in the morning. Gothard traveled a lot. But when he got back, um, he wanted to meet with me. And like very, like a few minutes oh, after I met hold, him, I knew it on was a second. creep. <laughs> oh,
0: so at 14, like you should be in school, right? So yeah. you'd think. Did you have any education at the Advanced Training Institute?
1: No. I was expected to work a nine to five job. For Did you get paid? ten bucks, for ten bucks a week or something, it was very minimal. Well, my dad had to send money. My dad, I remember my dad sending money so that I could go to the grocery store with my friends and get some food because we lived in dorms.
0: So that, sorry to interrupt you, but that seems illegal on two counts. That seems like child exploitation, child labor, and also it seems like kid. I don't know what the rule is, but like kids need to be in school or else bad things happen. Yeah. Like, but
1: nothing was I didn't know the rules, I didn't know the laws, so to me it was yeah. normal. Like to me it was almost glorified. Like my friends who were in ATI were jealous of me getting to meet Goth or getting to work at the headquarters. They were jealous that I got to go there because usually kids my age, you know, didn't get to go there. It wasn't very common. Only the bad kids were sent away.
0: Hmm.
1: So then I had that belief for a long time that I was a bad kid. Because you mm. just kind of believe what you're told back then.
0: Oh, Of course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I was also, like, raised to sort of glorify Gothard, like, see him as an all-knowing, you know, someone who never sinned type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but shortly after I got there, like, I am very intuitive and I just, <laughs> this bad vibes all over this guy. Like, I met him and he wanted to just talk to me alone and then asked me if I was a virgin. Like, who does At 14. And he's this old guy. Yeah.
0: How far into the conversation was this?
1: Not even a minute. That's what he wanted to know when he went right for it. Wow. Yeah. And at the at the time, I did not know what sex was. I did not know what a virgin was. But I sensed that he wanted me to be a virgin. And so I said, yes, I was. And so he seemed very happy by that. And he invited me to then change. Uh, I was working in the shipping department. I was transferred over to working in his office as his personal assistant. Wow. And he had this young girl of close to my age who traveled with him. She was not allowed to talk to anyone else. But uh, it seemed like I was almost next almost in line here. for her position. So, yeah. And then he'd pull me aside during work days that he was there and not traveling and tell me how to do my hair. You know, he said my hair looked rebellious how I had it. He wanted me to do it in soft curls. Um, He'd pick me up with his car when I was walking to work, like, he's just very, very creepy vibes, you know, so.
0: Wow.
1: I did whatever I could to be sent home because I was like, you know, I just didn't follow the rules. I broke curfew and I, (laughs) yeah. And that
0: was because you didn't feel safe and you wanted to get away? Yeah. Wow.
1: Because he only liked the compliant, he only liked the compliant girls. Okay, but I wonder how it would have been if I had been sent there for another reason, like one of the reasons why i I put aside his advances was because I had this this boy at home that I liked, mm-hmm. you know, and we were taught to have you know be a one woman man or a one man woman you know there was only one person that we could ever kiss, et cetera et cetera, and I really believed that, and so
0: so you at 14 felt like he was making advances and you made a decision. You might know I have a boyfriend already. I can't be interested in you. Yes. 40 year old Bill Gothard. Was no, he 40 or older? He was, he was older? probably like 60. Oh my goodness.
1: He was like super old. Like I, I don't even know how old he is now. 90.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I want to pause you again in your story because he has been accused of uh, multiple counts of molestation and abuse. Um, Not fun things to talk about. Uh, There was a lawsuit against him, but finally they had to drop it due to um, the statute of limitations. Yeah, too Um, much
1: time had run out.
0: Yeah. Um, Does that surprise you that there were all these counts? It really sounds consistent with what you're... Okay. Does it um how do you see that fitting into the larger structure of ATI?
1: Well, I feel like he groomed us kids because yeah. like a lot of us started when we were babies, right? And really didn't know anything else but him, his program, his teachings. Mm-hmm. Um it, it really seemed like a, a very universal grooming. Now I can't mm-hmm. say anything about his motivations, you know. Of course. Uh, I don't know what they are I just know what I saw and it just really seemed like he whenever he found out that someone there at headquarters was dating like there were a lot of 20 30 year olds there like students um, whenever they would start to like notice each other or whatever then he would send them home like it was very frowned upon like no like those were like almost his girls wow yeah
0: there, I do want to get back to your story in a second, but um, some people might know of ATI through the Duggars. Uh, is it 21 kids in counting? I forget where we are in the counting, but that used to be 19 kids in right? counting for a while, but I, they keep having They have kids. a lot,
1: and most people in ATI do.
0: Yes, that's one of the values is not doing birth control and having as many kids as possible
1: (laughs) so many people got like reversal surgery if they had their tubes tied or they you know had a vasectomy they got the reversal so that they could have more kids and then every year they would have a training seminar in the states like oklahoma or tennessee and they would parade these people up on stage these you know these uh they call them reversal babies
0: Mm.
1: very very glorified and they would have all the big families up there singing and playing their violins and is showing everybody, oh, this is one big happy family, like it, almost advertising it as the non-chaos that it actually was. hmm You have, you have, you know, a handful of kids. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's a challenge. Yes,
0: I <laughs> it's have. Not just everyone playing violins
1: have... all the time. No,
0: <laughs> no, and I, I hope that we present. It's impossible to be completely honest, but we do try to share like, you know what, today was a really rough day, you know, and we have the Facebook posts of like, yay, we're happy. And the Facebook posts of like stuff was smashed and messes and, and chaos. And I think that's, it's helpful to like not try and present the perfect image because then you're putting pressure on the kids to keep the image up. And that's something that also in church, we don't, we make a really strong effort not to put pressure on the kids to like sit down, shut up, or else you get beat when you go home. Which is unfortunately that's what,
1: what happened to me. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's like you know like there's the nothing. There's nothing with
1: wrong. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having a, a large family. Like that yeah. that's not the problem that I saw with it. The problem I saw with it was that these mothers were being told that this was God's will. And, you know, like they were just being sort of, I don't know, manipulated into it, like through fear and guilt that they that they had to give birth to all of these all of these kids. And, yeah, they weren't given the attention that they could have had. Like all of us, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you just can't give so much attention when you have 20 some kids.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) So you were talking about the Duggars. That's how we got on the subject. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Sorry. I just want to say one thing to that is that, um, as a father of five, there is such a thing as a limit, and I'm at the limit, and we we understand it would not be healthy for us to have more like we, and and people have a different capacity, and saying capacity, I don't mean that as a competitive thing, but people have a different you know capacity or or their life structure has a certain capacity, or the city you live in has a capacity. Like we we had to decide, like there's certain cities with five kids. It's like I can't afford to live in Vancouver. It just doesn't make sense. I can't buy a house that big. Uh, whereas where we're living now, it's it's not a problem. Anyways, yeah, we could um,
1: unpack the kids for a long time. Thing.
0: We get back to this over and over with ATI. It's like if there's a rule that applies to everybody all the time, it, it feels like, and then it becomes something where it's a heavy burden. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, "You tie up heavy burdens and you don't lift a finger to help." And who is struggling with these 18 kids? It's the mom. It's the. It's the... Okay, so what I, the reason I, br- I raised the Duggars uh, is not to pass judgment on them. I mean, if they want to have 19 kids, you know, that's for them to decide. But they got in the news because of a sex scandal, um, mm-hmm. and we were mentioning Bill Gothard again with this. This. Weirdness, and the reason I asked you how that fits into the larger thing is do you feel as though in grooming people, he was in his material, he was kind of grooming all of the women in a sense, and that there is something about it that kind of and. Tell tell me what you think about that, and I'll like I I'm seeing something, but oh, I'm not sure if I'm yeah, like it
1: I up. believe that all humans have autonomy, like that they should be able to make decisions for themselves. But as little girls, we were taught that we did not have that right. Like our our parents or our brothers were higher than us, and so that they could do what they wanted, and we just had to s- submit. So it was you know <laughs> there was a lot of things wrong about that but you know it raised these boys too to believe that they were invincible and could do whatever they wanted without consequence and rules didn't apply to them and you know that just they were better than or you know they had some sort of control or authority over women or girls and so the story with uh, with Josh Duggar was uh, not not different than a lot of stories that, that have come out of our survivors group um, When I look at the Duggars on TV, I actually enjoy watching it. (laughs) A lot of us survivors do not enjoy watching it, but I enjoy watching it because it kind of feels familiar to me. But also because it's almost like the ideal childhood that I wished that I could have with happy Mm -hmm. parents because those Mm -hmm. those parents seem like really kind, compassionate, happy parents. Okay. Um and like I said, every ATI family is different. But basically Gothard gives the the fathers of these families a permission to be cult leaders in their own home, mm-hmm. to kind of make whatever rules they want, whatever crazy things they want, and that would be God's will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's dangerous.
0: Yeah, and it's dangerous. Uh, you had mentioned I've heard this before that a girl feels. Was there a teaching about a girl needs to submit to the oldest boy in the room? Is that? Am I hearing that right?
1: No, not directly. That not that directly. teaching was not directly taught okay it was it was more um caught I guess okay, you know like if you're just if you're taught that guys have more you know authority in general or just able to do more things and and girls are supposed to be submissive, you know they're taught at young ages to be submissive, then it kind of sends that message to both genders of what their role is, yeah, yeah. and what they have to look forward to when they're older,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and again, with the Christian character is all about being meek and submissive, whereas the, hey, these are my rights, this is my boundaries, this is my body, even anger coming out and saying no, like.
1: Yeah, um, boundaries was not taught at all. <laughs> boundaries is something I, I'm still having to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that was one of the biggest problems. Well, that is one of the biggest problems when you look at a cult, right? That there's. Mm-hmm. There's not boundaries. People don't have a voice. Like if they if they voice their their um opinion, it's it's shot down and they're shut out or you know, there is a consequence somehow yeah. of saying what you think. So it it kinda seems safer as a kid growing up to not speak your truth. So as mm-hmm. an adult, it's a challenge to to learn to speak your truth.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, would you like to jump back into your story? You were talking about um, Bill Gothard trying to make advances on you, and you, um, I just want to say, like, good job. Like, you know, you you felt unsafe, and so you manufactured the situation where you'd get expelled uh, so that you'd be at a safe place. Is that, am I recapping that correctly? Yeah,
1: you are. <laughs> But, like, for so many people, it it didn't go like that. Um, For so many people, they were groomed to want his attention, to think that Mm -hmm. they were better than everyone else for getting it. Mm -hmm. So, after that, um, I was sent home. But it wasn't two weeks after where I was sent to the girls' school in Dallas, Texas, like, Gothard's girls' school in Dallas, Texas, for a long time. It was like a boarding school. And... um, we had class every day. It was like over a hundred of us girls where we had class, but we didn't have like school. Like I was 15 at the time then. Uh, I turned 15 there. Uh, but they didn't have like actual school subjects. They had teachers like Elizabeth Elliot come out,
0: you know, okay. so we thought,
1: oh, wow. You know, like <laughs> she was she was one of the one of our heroes. Right. We would read her biography or like people like that or Gothard himself would come out and be a speaker Um like the mom of all of these million kids came and did a thing on how to be a good wife and mother. And we had a lot of stuff on midwifery just the other day. I was looking through the, the binder. I didn't have it at my home, but I was able to look through my binder of, of that girl's school. And there was so much stuff on midwifery. I was just like, why did I need to know that at 15? But whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, <laughs> it was I know further why. Indoctrination.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right, it was just further indoctrination. <laughs>
0: That's your that's your role. Apparently, my
1: parents had to pay one hundred dollars a week back then. That was in 94. And all of those girls parents had to pay that amount Uh, the the students who worked in the kitchen every day. But Sunday, their parents had to pay that same amount just for them to go and be there and work there. And the parents were just thinking that, wow, their kids were chosen, you know, like they were the lucky ones out of all the ATI families that their kids got to be a part of these training centers and have all of this biblical teaching. Mm-hmm.
0: In quotes, so you <laughs> saying, biblical teaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so how did you, one of my questions here for you was, um, there's various pro- promises of ATI. Um, you had mentioned the promise that. Um, that your family will be perfect and your kids won't go astray. Um, One of the promises is that you'll have a wonderful education. How did you find their education? Did they follow through on that promise? Uh,
1: the, The educational promise that they gave, I don't remember the exact words, but it was to the extent of if your child has character, they'll be more likely to get higher than if they have a degree. And if okay. you send your kids to college, they're going to um like go astray and not believe in the cult's teaching, so that wasn't encouraged mm-hmm. um so yeah, and did they follow through on their promise? no, like you can like yeah, I've made my way i've found i found my way around stuff like I've been able to get certifications uh I was able to get my g e d and uh you know so go you for, had to
0: get. A GED uh, like you didn't have a high school diploma
1: no I didn't have a high school diploma Uh, when I was sent home from that uh, girl school like I got a diploma but it wasn't a high school diploma it wasn't anything accredited or anything you know that you'd learn in school Um, yeah at home I was basically on my own uh, for most of the time like my mom was busy teaching the little ones to read and write Um, Mm. we did some wisdom booklet stuff but uh, there was no real accountability with with schoolwork and stuff, so I I did my own thing. We didn't have internet, you know, when I was that age. We only I only got internet after I was an adult, but um, yeah.
0: How but, did, did you get your GED <laughs> much later on your own, or was that I got my GED transplant?
1: after I had a few kids, so wow. yeah, I. I went and I got that. So I just
0: feel impelled to say this. The, the Holy Spirit is upon me. I don't know who is <laughs> listening to this. I, I'm sorry. I'm being sarcastic. I shouldn't have said okay. that. Okay. Um, so, rewind the lead. I, I shouldn't have said that. But seriously, like, I don't know who's listening to this. But as a parent, you have one job. Give your kids something recognized so that they can, you know, either GED, some, some homeschoolers do that, or else a high school education, because otherwise your kids can't get a job and you don't understand employers don't care if you have a master's if you have a doctorate if you don't have your ged it's gonna be hard to get a job anyways i just wanted Mm -hmm. to say that um a little bit of a a pet peeve of mine because uh, my (laughs) wife has friends that they're trying to raise their kids and it's hard to get your ged later in life i think you can maybe i could
1: we could do a whole different podcast on homeschooling and our experience with it and uh You know, I think you and I both have homeschooled our kids at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, so there there's definitely balance needed there. And, uh, yeah, I used to hate homeschooling. I used to always want to go to public school when I was especially when I was a teenager. Um, Mm. But as I've gotten older and I've worked in the school system, I've seen that. There are kind adults everywhere and there are mean adults everywhere. Right. You, you can have the same abuse at school as you, as you have at home. So it's not necessarily, there's not one right answer for everybody, especially mm-hmm. now with COVID, right? Um, right. So like, for example, my oldest went to public school her whole life, loved it, was, you know, did well. Um, my younger two uh, have some, they learn in a different way than sitting down with a pen and paper yeah. and books. Uh, they're more hands-on, and so I homeschooled them half their years, and I did a lot of unschooling too, like, not necessarily credited stuff. So like, my mm-hmm. oldest has her high school diploma. My second oldest is, um, just turned 19 and will be going for her GED too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I am the example of someone who has gone through <laughs> homeschooling and has come out with a career. And, mm-hmm. like, there's no one, one size fits all, but, I would my advice would be to listen to what the child is interested in and, and uh, focus on that a lot, especially if you're able to homeschool. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, like if you can get a diploma or a degree or whatever, go for it. Like go for the opportunities, but don't force your kid into something that they're they're not bent. You know, they're not meant mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Like what if? Yeah. what Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a whole like I said, a whole nother podcast. I'm very passionate about yeah. that. Yeah, about, choice, about about choice for children, like advocating for children.
0: Yeah. And I would uh, I would second that as well. Uh, um, I've got five kids and one of them is. Um, has been a bit of a challenge as far as learning and homeschooling has been a real refuge for us just because the public school system tends to be. um like a one size fits all only it's actually only one size Uh, you have to you have to conform and uh, we just felt as though we could give him a better foundation at home because we had researched and we understood his personality and some of the things that that make him tick and so we could customize our education to his needs and right now with covid well actually uh, we had just decided last march that we were going to send our kids to school all the kids were excited and then COVID hit. And it was like, seriously, this is the week. Um, but because uh, we had made that decision that week, and then and then COVID hit. But this past week, um, three of our five kids have gone to school, uh, in the public school, and they're loving it, and they're blossoming like we have never seen. And then one of them is still homeschooled. And uh, I'm very much about, you know, you're the parent, you know your kids, uh, and if you have the capacity um, there's great resources now. Um, you know, if you have the capacity and and you want to do it, then homeschooling is an awesome option, and you you can really provide a better education and more customized, especially education. Um, so, anyways, I, I certainly I wanted to say at the beginning, and I forgot, I'm not against homeschooling, and I don't want to shame any parents um, who have used ATI at some point in the past, um, and uh, but I do want to point out that there's real problems with uh, this particular curriculum. Because it's and, still out like there. <laughs> the, and it's still out there and it's still super popular. And uh, what I was surprised, like I, I shared your interview on Facebook and I was really surprised at the pushback mm-hmm. um, and how many people came out of the woodwork. I had two types of people come out, um, people publicly and then privately saying, like, how can you, because the title of your interview was raised in a cult. And so people came to me and said, how can you say that this is a cult? It was a good teaching. I had a great experience. Uh, Maybe some people go overboard, but I had a great experience. This was men in their 60s and 70s that said this both times. And then I had women.
1: Uh, If they were in their 60s and 70s, then they were not raised in ATI, then they were parents in ATI. They were
0: the parents. Yes. And they said, I had a great experience. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, well, it would be great to be God for a while. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that, but. Um, and then I had a lot of girls or I had I if it was two or three women in their 30s that contacted me by a private message and said, thank you so much for sharing this because it was hard. You know, and I'm trying to figure myself out and I'm getting off of tra- off track Um <laughs> Right. So what I wanted to say about all that was I just want to this thing flies under the radar and people are afraid to talk about ATI because there's people in your church that are doing ATI and you don't want to be the pastor that has a sermon on ATI because you don't want to offend them. And they're good people and their kids are happy. And you you don't want to you don't want to cause more division than you want to cause. Right. And so I get that. But we need to just be aware what this thing is. Um, because it does hurt good people. It hurts good parents and it hurts good kids, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so can we continue with your story? Um, I keep getting distracted because there's so much to say and I just had a coffee.
1: Um, I think I've pretty much told it like generally, right? Uh, I feel like I got, I came back from the training center and, um, did my own thing, and my parents eventually like sort of transitioned out of it. It was ex- an expensive program to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of prerequisites, like the men couldn't have beards for a while. I don't know if they changed oh, so that. Weird. Like yeah, like <laughs> just really weird prerequisites. Uh, you couldn't have adopted kids or something, or no, it was you couldn't be divorced or remarried. Like they, they just really weeded out a lot of not ideal, perfect, perfect families. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it was your wife or something that had to write an essay like as an older child in it, like to in order to apply. Um I might have gotten that wrong, but that's what I thought I remember. Um Yeah. So I guess that's just a broad overview of just my experience with it. But if you want to know further, just go on RecoveringGrace.org and it'll go into sure. all the theology, how the theology is messed stop and you know how the different dads or moms in the cult uh, went to extremes and it was very uh, traumatizing for their children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah my wife and I when I had posted that online we were kind of thinking about it a bit more because you know we had kind of put in our past a long time ago mm-hmm. but we had we just kind of went on ATI's website and it, like it is so weird the application process like mm-hmm. we've been homeschoolers for a long time like 10 years I guess and we've done a lot of curriculums and you know you bounce back and forth every year and we have never had a curriculum that was like okay you need to apply it's like what what like <laughs> I just want to use your math like just sell me the book or else don't sell me the book but it's like no you need to apply and then it's like you need to commit to not listen to rock music and I'm like well I can't <laughs> listen to like to nothing with the beats <laughs> Nothing with a beat, and then like it was like you know you should not have a TV in your house, but we understand everybody's at a different place, and maybe you can like reduce your your usage. And I'm like, the kids yeah. are watching Magic School Bus. Like, I didn't grow up with Rick, anything like
1: Magic School Bus. I just grew up with only ATI uh, VHS videotapes. You know, wow. very, very occasionally.
0: Anyways, there there's so many things that like. From a distance, you're like, oh, yeah, 19 kids and counting. It's a wonderful thing, and we can be part of it. And then you get closer, and it's like, this is really weird. (laughs) Like, it just gets weirder and weirder the more you get into it. Um, I want to ask you before we we end here, are you grateful for parts of ATI? Did it bring some good into your life, or is it pretty much all bad?
1: In order to shift my beliefs from victim to empowered – I have had to adopt the the mentality or the belief that everything in my past led me to today. So uh I find it helpful for myself to be grateful for everything that happened in my past, good or bad, because it it led me to today. It Even if it was a bad thing or if there was a person who was a bully, um, it taught me a lesson you know, I find that I can be very aware now of like marketing scams of, um, you know, other cults um, (laughs) of narcissistic, Uh uh, narcissistic humans trying to whatever they do, like, I have that awareness. So like, just seeing my past as something that helped me instead of hindered me has helped me. And I know I did not get to that place overnight. And I know most of the survivors are not in that place. They're They're very upset still at uh, how ATI has harmed them, and I don't want to, like, minimize their experience in any way. I'm just saying how I was able to find peace, (laughs) one of the ways, one of the many ways I was able to find peace.
0: Well, a follow-up question I'll ask you with that is what would you say to somebody that says, well, it made you stronger, so how could it be a bad thing?
1: Um, like, why would you want to subject your child to, <laughs> to teachings that are not in alignment with, um, the message of Jesus, <laughs> you know, like, why would you want to send your child out there into the world? Because you're not going to be alive forever. They're going to have to be in the world on their own at some point. Why would you want to send them into the world with that worldview? With a worldview that everyone else is out to get them or bad, or with a worldview that they are bad and they have to feel guilty and fearful their entire lives. Like, why would you want to raise your child with um, to be sort of to see it as normal to date someone abusive? You know, like (laughs) I don't understand. There's no there's no reason why someone would want to raise their child like that. Mm -hmm. There's enough trauma that happens on its own without having to create it. Your, your child will, will come out okay with empathy and, you know, a good human because I feel like we were, we were born good. Um, especially if you treat them with kindness and respect, they will in turn treat you and, and others with kindness and respect.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious what you would say if, because uh, I didn't really know what to say. Uh, when these these two guys contacted me and said almost exactly the same thing, I had a good experience as an ATI dad. Well, they um, were God,
1: like <laughs> they were they were <laughs> given the permission to be God in their own home. So, yeah, right. Why would that not be fun for them? Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah. What was your question? <laughs> 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 it just seems a little um, funny.
0: It. Uh, yeah, I think we agree too much on this. I can um, I to
1: talk about my parents. My parents have not apologized for raising us in ATI. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that, and some parents have, there's different stories across the board, but I can only go with my experience, right? My parents um, can't seem to find it, like if they were to really look at that and really like, take responsibility and say, like, I meant well, but this hurt you, you know, and it validate my experience, yeah. like, you know, like, that would be so meaningful. But I understand why they can't just because I've understood, I've studied the mind a lot. Like, we don't look at things that are too painful. Yeah, it's hard to look at painful things. And so why would my parents be any different if they actually had to look at that and see the pain that it caused, they would have, it, it would hurt too much. They would feel guilty. You know, they would feel sad. They don't want to feel guilty and sad. You know, so I don't blame them for for wanting to feel good. But Mm -hmm. there definitely can't be a relationship when there's judgment and there can't be a relationship when uh, there's a child, even an adult child who's been hurt Mm -hmm. and they're not validated for that or like they're not, you know, Like, it's just not, it's pushed away and said, no, you did not have that experience. You know, like, just because I can't remember abusing you doesn't mean the abuse didn't happen. You know, that kind of thing. I get it. I get why they don't want to look at that. I get why they probably repressed those memories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What if there's multiple personalities involved? I don't know. It's not for me to judge. It's for me to live my life separate from them. I'm like the bird who's flown the nest. You know, (laughs) I'm going to do my own Mm -hmm. thing now. And uh, I I I do believe my parents are doing the best they could, but I I don't believe I can have a healthy relationship with my dad because he's narcissistic and I'm okay with that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. And my mom just follows whatever he does. So we'll see if there's any any hope to have a relationship with her in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the key thing out of what you said was validate their experience. And I think that I think kids can get over a lot if a parent says, "Okay, well, what you're, you know, what I heard you say is this. And it sounds like that was really painful. And um, I wish that hadn't have happened. And I see how I was part of that. And I I deeply regret the pain that I caused you Mm -hmm. something that. you know, I mean, I mean, I remember talking to a parent, at, you know, behind church when we were leaving church, and they were talking about a rebellious son that was trying to come home and trying to have this reconciliation, and he was trying to get his life back together, and wanted to get, and and he said, "Well, my son was telling me all these things about how I was, how he was raised, and like that didn't sound right." So then I like talked to his sister and I was like, we we didn't raise you like this, did we? Like we didn't mess you up that bad, did we? And she was like, no, we, you didn't mess us up that bad. And so then I came back to my son and I was like, hey, come on, we didn't mess you up that bad. And I was thinking like, like somebody can never be wrong when they say I felt X. Mm-hmm. There is no way that that can be wrong. You can mm-hmm. say, I mean, they could lie to you, but <laughs> like if I say. It hurt when you said this there's no way that I can say that didn't hurt because it's only it's only the person saying that that is true Mm -hmm. and when somebody told me that it it helped me understand that that that's validating somebody's experience to say okay you said that hurt when I did that I'm just gonna say okay I believe you that that hurt that wasn't my intention but intentions you know, I can intend not to hurt somebody by hitting them with a baseball bat, but if it does hurt them, then that's what I have to deal with, right? That was a bad example. Well,
1: it just all um, comes down to, I think, um, seeking to understand. Yeah. So mature people, whatever age they are, seek to understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also, um, like I said, in the oldest of 10 kids, we've all interpreted our experience differently, and mm-hmm. we all remember certain events differently. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not just my family. Like, I've been studying the mind and, and families and all that for a while. And, um, it's very common that people remember the same thing differently because we all have different filters in our minds that, that filter the information and the mind is a meaning making machine. And it, you know, to one, it could mean something bad and to one, the event could mean something good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> Don't know where I was really going with that. But basically, no, it's awesome. yeah, yeah. I don't recall where I was going. My my mind opens just like all of these tabs, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> which one do I grab onto?
0: Yeah. Well, we're we're nearing the end of our time. Actually, we're over the time I wanted okay. to do, which is great because I don't have a life. There's nothing else I need to do other than talk to you. <laughs> um, no, but this has been really great. Uh, I want to give you a chance. You had mentioned. Recovering Grace Ministries. Yes.
1: RecoveringGrace.org.
0: Ministries, org.
1: Not, it's just a website a collection of people like me who have told okay. their stories. Okay.
0: And, uh, yeah. Are there other resources that you'd like to direct people to for about ATI? people about ATI recovery or?
1: There are resources on that on that website. There's okay. nothing that I have seen. Like I I know of some some books, but they're mostly about cults, not about that particular cult. So. Mm-hmm
0: so recoveringgrace.org is yeah. something like to go. Okay. Like, and, cool. and it's
1: really it's really not about gothard, and it's not about cults and it's not about um, you know like that's just a surface thing. Mm-hmm. It's really more about um, being a fundamentalist or an extremist or a you know taking things out of context um, used I feel Ethics are extremely important, and it's not ethical to impose your will over another person's. Like it's not ethical to manipulate their, their subconscious. And I, I just saw it done over and over again from the pulpit, or like from the seminars that Goethe did. But mm-hmm. uh, it's not just him who does that.
0: No, it's <laughs> not. Yeah, and people. But he does he it really, really, really well. <laughs>
1: the knowledge is power right so i just want to empower people to learn uh like what to be aware of and not just this one thing so yeah it's not really helpful to me to say stay away from ati although it would be a good idea there's a lot of things to stay away from and a mm-hmm. lot of things to uh, educate yourself on uh, so you're not manipulated and so that you can have your own beliefs and your own spiritual experience
0: mm-hmm. yeah and in some ways Uh, I'm not sure if that came through or not. Um, I mean, some cults are like really weird and it's like, okay, some guy had this really weird belief system about aliens and things like that. And it's like, it has very little connection with other things going on. But ATI, if it is a cult, and I want to talk about that in a second, um, it grows out of evangelicalism. It, and it connects with and that's what can be hard to process when people are trying to rediscover their faith is actually we'll find these sorts of things in almost all churches we go to maybe to a lesser degree but you still have men having a different role than women you still have authority you're still supposed to submit to the pastor you're still the pastor interprets it for you and you receive it and All these things that were cranked to 11 in ATI, they're still present elsewhere. And so Mm -hmm. that can be a really hard thing to process and why Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just throw it all out because what they received, perhaps.
1: Yeah, some do, some don't.
0: (laughs) Some do, some don't.
1: I think it really has to do if uh, things are triggered, like if certain words are triggers or if certain things are triggers or if they just can't get out of the anxiety that they feel every day without throwing it all out and then building their new beliefs. Yeah. Or just having different words for the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what I did. You know know me. I have different words for for God than most people, but I, I still have belief. I'm a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. You know, and like growing up, I, I was raised to believe it wasn't OK to have friends with different beliefs, but I don't I don't feel that way anymore. Like mm-hmm. I feel that everyone sort of has a different different flavor of of beliefs based on their past experiences, based on what they've been exposed to. So that's a whole nother podcast, probably.
0: That's, uh, <laughs> and, and we'll likely have that podcast. I'm looking forward to having more guests, some of which, you know, will line up almost exactly with what I believe and some of which will not. And then we can have great discussions and I'm looking forward to a different era in my podcasting journey where I just have great discussions with people. I'm looking forward to that. So um, another change in my podcast is I want to have a bonus feature for people. I want to have subscribers can subscribe to Patreon and get a bonus question. Um, And so I want to ask you more directly, is ATI a cult? What does that mean? And so we're going to switch to talking about that. But for everybody else, it's been great. Um, Podcast will end here. Bye. (laughs) All right. I'm going to take a break, though. Okay. Hello, friends. This is Josiah. I just wanted to make a quick note to say I don't have Patreon online yet. And at this point, I just want to give you the rest of the interview. So if you just subscribe to Seeking Health with Josiah Meyer, you can find that podcast anywhere you find podcasts, be that iTunes store or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever, or just directly on the anchor.fm app or website. Um, Just go ahead and subscribe, and then the next podcast, the, the rest of the episode will be right there. So enjoy. Have a good day. Bye.